This is God's word. Now, God, bless your people today with your holiness, with the mightiness of your mercy. Oh, God, you have done great things for us. And if you never have done anything else good, you sent your only son. Give us salvation and hope this Christmas season, Lord. We bless your name as those who are called by your name. And confess that there is only one name given under heaven by which we might be saved. On whose name we gather and in whose name we pray. And his name is Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. So, today, help you zoom in and out of this story. The best way to think of this is that of a camera. And you got two lenses. Either you're going to look at it wide, put your wide-angle lens in, or you're going to put a telephoto lens in and zoom in close. I just want you to know to start with, we're putting the wide-angle lens in this morning. Most of the sermon. So the context starts wide. You remember, Mary has already been visited by the angel. We're going to read that later. Joseph has as well. We're going to read that later as well. Both have already submitted to God's will, whatever that meant. Mary was in a pretty perilous situation to start with. You see, this teenager, though the Bible doesn't use those words, the Bible knows nothing of teenager, the word teenager or adolescence. She was a 12 to 13 year old young woman who was espoused to be married that was legally binding. She receives this impossible news that, that her aversion is going to conceive and bear the Son of God. Just imagine it. To confirm this promise, the angel tells her about Elizabeth. A pregnant senior citizen. You see, Elizabeth was from the tribe of Levi. So was her husband. Remember, the ironic priesthood. Mary and Joseph as well from the tribe of Judah. So Mary takes a hundred mile journey to Elizabeth. This all happens. You can see it. If you got your Bible open, you can look at it. In John the Baptist, this is an important moment in our history this morning, the last Old Testament prophet steps into time and space in the womb of Elizabeth after 400 years of silence and begins to fulfill his calling in utero. As he jumps for joy. One, one man said John was the only person to ever use the womb as a pulpit. Begins his work even there. John's later testimony, John 3.29 says this, Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Why this is so important is this is where the old covenant and the new meet. This moment in history. Elizabeth and Mary, who received both impossible news, So what's influencing, if you've 
ever study Mary's song before? Most people call it the Magnificat, or some people, if you're Southern, you might call it the Magnificat. <laughs> depends on your depends on your your slang this morning. This is a masterpiece, if you, and we're going to look at it this morning. Someone might ask, how in the world could a young girl, 12 or 13 years old, write such a masterpiece? There's a couple of answers for that. The most importantly is, this is inspired by the Holy Spirit, but I want you to see the point. I'm not going to turn to it. If you want to write it down, 1 Samuel 2, 1 to 10. That's Hannah's prayer. You remember Hannah? Could not have a child. She called out to the Lord. Lord, give me a child. The Lord answered her prayer. And Hannah prays. It's almost a song in the way it's the, the hymn. This is amazingly parallel to that. In other words, Mary was familiar with that. This is, this is the point this morning. It's the point I want you to get. Mary knew a couple of things. And what Mary knew was God's Word. She knew it already when she came to this experience. She also knew that both her and her people needed salvation. Just a question this morning. What's God's Word producing in you? 2 Timothy 3.15, you remember that? Paul speaking to Tim Timothy said, But as for you, continue in what you have learned, and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. Verse 15, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Even the children here are taught, but must express their faith in Christ. Mary was taught God's Word. Almost every line of her song here is somewhere in the Old Testament, mostly in the Psalms and the wisdom books. Hebrews 4.12, this is my question for you. Remember the text? The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the very thoughts and intentions of your heart. Is that, is that what the Word of God is doing? Because understand, before Mary got to this situation, it was already doing its work. This is the point this morning. The song of salvation is the song of Scripture. And the song of salvation is the song of the redeemed. So let's just look at it. I tried to put all of the parallels that you might want to write down in your notes on the screen so you don't have to flip back and forth. You should be able to leave your Bible open here to Mary's song. Let's read. Look at, remember, wide-angle lens. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. Back in Luke 1, verse 46. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. Psalms 34, verse 2. Mary newer Bible. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt His name together. You see, Mary is not pulling this song out of the air. She's pulling it out of Scripture. This is informing her. Magnificat, simply why they named it that, is from the first verse, verse 46, the word magnifies. What it means, Latin means glorify. It means to enlarge. But notice this. 
Look at verse 48. It says, For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Humble estate. That means she was economically deprived. She was poor. Servant. This is not a positive word. This is a derogatory term. It means female slave. She said, I am a poor female slave. This is how she sees it. But there's a contrast. See, she knows, she, she loves the beauty of psalms as much as we do. You see what she's doing here? She's using the psalmist's contrast in her song. In verse 48. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. Me, a poor peasant girl engaged to a carpenter. Gonna be blessed. Look at verse 49. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Psalms 22, verse 3. This is all over. She could have chosen any of the multiple passages in Psalms. This is just one of them. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Whether you realize it or not, brothers and sisters, you are like a radio tower that grows. And your Christian life grows. What I want you to learn from this 12, 13-year-old girl this morning is Mary's intention. She understands her God when she gets to this situation. And she's pulling from Scripture. And she does this morning. Says God is, look at it. God is mighty. And He's holy. Mighty Greek word. Dunatos means powerful. So where we get the word dynamite, we see the word all through Scripture. The mighty one, the powerful one, the dynamite one has done great things for me. For I am a virgin and yet I have the Son of God in my womb. It's impossible, but it's true. He's holy. This is important. Holiness when ascribed to God. It's not simply an attribute that you line up with the rest of His attributes. It accompanies every attribute. It gives us its depth. His mightiness is a holy mighty. He's holy sovereign. He's holy good. His name, this is His whole reputation and character. Holy. His mightiness and His holiness bring singing does it bring conflict here. He's praising God for His holiness, but it's intention. Look at verse 50. And His mercy is for those who fear Him. From generation to generation. Oftentimes the Bible uses mercy, uses also steadfast love. Psalms 89 verse 1 says this. Listen to the generation language. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made my covenant with my chosen ones. I have sworn to David my servant. The word mercy is, means compassion. It can even be used synonymously with steadfast love. Remember, we've talked about steadfast love a lot in the Psalms. It's God's covenant love. So, how do I understand mercy, steadfast love? 
At least this is the way it, as I look at what the, all these words mean and how close they are. Steadfast love is mercy with a kiss. You see, it's really important when, when I as a parent do not give something my, my child something they really deserve. But it's far greater for me to lean down and hug them and give them a kiss. This is important. Because mercy is oftentimes overlooked and not mentioned when we're speaking of His mightiness. When we speak of His holiness. We don't speak of His mercy. When we speak of His sovereignty, we forget to mention His steadfast love. On the other side of this tension of the tower of your spiritual life, God's mightiness, His sovereignty should not give you issue. It is your greatest hope as it was for Mary. But on the other side, there's mercy. Mercy with no mightiness makes God nothing more than a soft grandpa who spoils his grandkids. It makes us look like wimps that have a sissified, needy Jesus, as Vody Balcom would say. But mightiness with no mercy makes God seem harsh, even cold. It makes you seem rude and arrogant. Our God is intention, and Mary is praising God for it. It's not just her God. She starts out that way. Now she expands it. He's generational. Verse 51. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. Mary just doesn't know the Psalms. She knows Deuteronomy. She knows her history. Listen to this. The word arm and hand is very important. In the Old Testament language, explaining God and how He acts and how He does. Deuteronomy 26, look at verse 8. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror and signs and wonders. See, she has the Exodus in mind now as she sings. It's where she's celebrating inside her own room. A better exodus is coming. In the Old Testament, you oftentimes see increasing power in this imagery of God from the finger to the hand to the arm. His outstretched hand, further strength, his arm. She's pulling this from the Old Testament. Let's look at Psalms 136, verse 11. And brought Israel out from among them. For his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm. For his steadfast love endures forever. You see this? Scripture has already informed Mary's theology. When she gets to her experience. God's already in tension. He has his steadfast love for his people. And his arm, his hand, his strength, his mightiness is always used for the good of His people. Mary contrast here. The wealthy and the proud, have, God has always scattered. The poor and the humble, God always lifts. You see, Jesus came to demolish everything that man loves to elevate. Christ came with this intention. He never intended to leave things as they are. He still doesn't. 
I love this quote. The child that put the song into Mary's heart was the world's most dangerous baby. Don't always get that from the manger scenes we have set up in our front yards, do we? Listen to Martin Lloyd-Jones. When the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords came into this world, He came into a stable. If you do not feel a sense of holy laughter within you, I do not see that you have the right to think that you're a Christian. Thank God this is gospel. This is salvation. God turning upside down, reversing everything that we have ever thought. Everything we have, we have taken pride in. The mighty, why He will pull them down from their seats. He has been doing so. He is still doing so. Let any man arise and say he is going to govern, to be the God of the whole world. You need not be afraid. He will be put down. Every dictator has gone down. They all do. Finally, the devil and all that belong to him will go down to the lake of fire and will be destroyed. The Son of God has come into the world to do that. Mary understood is coming. Look at it in verse 52. Back to Luke 1. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Listen to Job 5 verse 11. It's amazing. He sets on high those who are lowly and those who mourn are lifted to safety. She's saying this has always been God's work. To exalt the humble and level the proud. He, has, he did it with God's people. When He delivered them from the exodus. And He's doing it now. So Mary's song is flipping religion on its head. It's what Christ did. Religion says the low must ascend to the high. It gives a, a way to do that. Your good works, your religious traditions... Helps you ascend the mountain. Maybe when you, if you do it right, if you do it hard enough, you'll get there. It's not what the way Jesus works. It's not the way Yahweh has worked. God who is high became low so that we who are low might become children of the King. That's what Mary's singing today. Look at verse 53. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. Listen to Psalms 107.9 as she pulls in Scripture continuously. For He has satisfied the longing soul and the hungry soul He fills with good things. Do you remember 2 Corinthians? Paul says this about Christ. Chapter 8, verse 9. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich. This is continuous, you see, from Psalms to Mary's song to the church. She goes in even deeper into God's history of God's work with His people. Verse 54 he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Psalms 98 verse 3. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. And 
all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our Lord. So what is she doing here in verse 54? She's praising God for His promises to His people. She doesn't use in verse 54 the same word servant. It might look like it because we don't know the original language. You see the word that says helped His servant Israel? That's a positive word. That, can actually, that word can actually mean child. We can say He has helped His children, His child Israel. She's saying just as in the past that He has helped Israel, His chosen people. So, He has done this to me. And so, He will do it for His people. You see, the love of God, the love of Christ, and the love of Christ in you does not produce nothing. Love that is not active is not love. Love that does not sacrifice is not love. God's Love, His mercy, really saves. That's what He came to do. He didn't fail in it. That's what she's celebrating. Verse 55. And He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, listen listen to her language, and to His offspring forever. Now she's all the way back in Genesis. This 12, 13 year old girl's quoting Genesis... 17.7 is in her mind when she sings this song. It says, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you through their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. She's saying, He's here. God always fulfills His plans and His promises and He's used me. You see, Magnificat here clearly shows that Mary's view of what's happening in her life is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. She's saying, God made a promise, offspring. He's here. He's in me. Mary understood. Isaiah, verse 9, chapter 9, verse 6. Can you imagine when this came together for her? For for to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of this increase of government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness for this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Mary understood God's word. And she says, Here I am. Poor peasant girl in a small hick town. And God has chosen the lowly to put his glory on display. Just like he's always done. Mary said, God has chosen me to fulfill his promises to Abraham. The offspring, capital O, Galatians 4, is here. It's in me. You see, the song of salvation is the song of Scripture, but it's also the song of the redeemed. And so now, switch lenses and zoom in. Back to verse 46, when Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. 
me. For behold, now all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. I want you to just see three simple truths here. A child in her womb was the promised Messiah, and she understood it. Turn with me now to Luke 1. Just look back then at verse 26 to 33. Remember the message? Let's read it again. Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, this is important, only one, two angels are ever mentioned by name that I know of, and this is one of them. Angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. There's the hick town. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. Can you imagine the first time the scripture that was in her collided with the message of the angel? That which I have memorized. That which my parents taught me. is coming. This angel just told me he's going to use me. This is important. Don't miss this this morning. She used Scripture to understand the events of her life, not the events of her life to interpret Scripture. Let's say that again. She used Scripture to understand the events of her life, not the events of her life to interpret Scripture or to impute something of God based on the situations of her life. She used what she knew of God. When she begins to worship, when she meets Elizabeth in this collision of the Old and the New Covenant, the song came up. What came out of her mouth was God's Word, God's promises, God's Word is true. And you will never understand the events of your life if you don't get the order right. We need not think we can understand things if we know not His Word and we do not believe His promises. She did. Child in her room was a promised Messiah. Don't miss this. It's all over that verses. The child in her womb was her Savior. We soundly Reject any idea, and so does Mary, that she was somehow sinless. She needed a Savior and she knew it. Mary lifts up God, her Savior. Jesus did not, He cannot save you without giving Him Himself. She's just not trusting in the Messiah who will bring salvation. He Himself is the salvation. He Himself is her Savior. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 
who Christ is to us. It says, and because of Him, you are in Christ, who, Jesus Christ, became to us wisdom from God. Jesus Christ became our righteousness, became our sanctification, our redemption. Verse 31, so that it is written that the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. You see, consistent message from beginning of the book to the end of the book. Salvation is from the Lord. He brings all of this with Him. He is these things. When we get anything of wisdom, when we get anything of righteousness, when we get anything of sanctification and redemption, it's because we get Him. And The more we seek Him, the more we see these. Mary understood the Lord, Messiah in her was her Savior. Not only hers, verse 50, the child in her womb will save all of those who fear Him. This is the message of the good news. It starts right here. From the, and His mercy with those who fear Him from generation to generation. Remember the message? Matthew, turn to Matthew 1, 21. Remember Joseph? About to divorce her, remember to be espoused, to be engaged, was a legally binding thing. And if she would have stepped out on Joseph, which was the assumption at the beginning, then he would have to divorce her. So he sought not to shame her, to put her away privately, so no one knew about it. And then the angel comes. Matthew 1, verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for He will save His people from their what? Sins. All this took place. Look at this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call His name Emmanuel. Mary knew that this Messiah was both her Savior, but was going to be the Savior for all those who fear Him. Just how he had always been promised. Now, zoom back out for a minute. Revelation 5. What are we going to be doing at the end here? Because, listen, if God's people are singing at the beginning, and what I see here, people are singing in the end. There's an implication here. Revelation 5, verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seal. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. You see, those who were singing then, are those who are singing now. And those who are singing now are those that will sing then. The question is, are you? Are you joining the redeemed in the song of salvation? Turn with me to Psalms 40. I want you, I don't want you to ask this for anybody else. I want you to ask it of yourself. Psalms 40. Is this living and active in you when you read the Psalms? Are these words on a page? 
somebody else wrote? Or, or is this part of your life, is, is this part of what God has brought to bear in you? He's bringing it to bear in you now. Look at verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. Is that true? You now? Has, has He drawn you up, verse 2, from the pit out of the miry bog? Has He set you, your feet on a rock, and made your steps secure? Verse 3, has He put a new song in your mouth? Has He put a song of praise to your God? Has He lifted you up in your lowliness so that you might display the fear of God in your worship of your life? If you put your trust in the Lord. Verse 4. Do you understand that if you have, you're blessed? You're blessed. Why? Because I've made the Lord my trust. Blessed is the man who who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who do not go astray after a lie. You see, we're right back where we started. What is God's word producing in you? Here's a question. Are you less blessed or more blessed than Mary? Be a trick question. Speaking of, she was the one who was chosen to carry the Messiah. In her womb. Someone said that to Jesus one time. Luke 11, 27. I just thought it was really, just look at what he says. She put a song in her heart. Luke eleven twenty seven. 27. Jesus is speaking. It says, and he said these things. A woman in the crowd raised her voice up and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. Verse 28. But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Those are the blessed. So the answer is yes. We are more blessed than Mary because we have been indwelled with God. Who will never leave us nor forsake us. We have brought into union with His Son. We have constant communion with God. Listen to what Spurgeon says. Tis more blessed to have God in our hearts than in the womb. And so, just want to end today. Simple truth. As you go to enjoy your family and your friends and to remember those that are enjoying God right now. Used to be here with you and now they're with Him. What God has done in Christ must be praised. Luke knows it. Mary knows it. Do we know it? It's not enough to say it. Christ has designed you, designed me to be worshipers because we are made to celebrate it. We are made to sing to God for He is our salvation. Let's pray. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O 
Lord. And you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's stand and worship our God together.